People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. Hello and welcome to Don't Break the Oath podcast. How the devil are you all? Ahoy. Ahoy there. Right, so today we are looking at a poltergeist. Mm. Okay, and this one is in Canada or how do you say it? Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia. That's uh, not the only thing that Nova Scotia is famous for. I think Oak Island's up there. Yes. You aware of Oak Island? So, um, but before we get into that, and I must say, in that case, there is actually... Um, Everyone gets affected by it, even the cat. So, well, cats are very psychic anyway, more yeah. psychic than dogs. Well, it's, a bit, so. it's a bit more than that, but um, we'll get into that. I just wanted to say quickly uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe. Yes, uh, please, 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 please. And if you see the show anywhere, Facebook, blah blah blah, just post it, share it everywhere you can. Uh, the more people that find, find us, yeah. you know, is better, isn't it? Uh, so, subscribe, leave reviews if possible. <clears throat> Didn't think we had any reviews this week, not in England anyway. So it's just uh, new Patreon, Dylan, Dylan Robinson. Robinson. Yeah, welcome, Dylan. So and me and Dylan spoke a little bit on Facebook and that as well. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but thank you very much, Dylan, for your know, thing. T-shirt competition is closing soon. The door is rapidly slamming shut. What, so another week, a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's about that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you haven't already got one, and what could be better for Valentine's Day than a Don't Break the Oath T-shirt? Yeah. One yeah. of your choice as well. Nothing and it's says free delivery as well. Nothing says Spent I love your you door. like a don't break the oath T shirt. Absolutely. So bear that in mind. Uh yeah, so just get your entries to us. Obviously the question was what do pirates call eggs? That was the question. But if you don't know the answer to that and you send us uh some you know, a funny in a funny ish entry, then we'll put you yeah, in the hat. We'll accept it, yeah, we'll yeah. accept that, put you in the hat. And then we'll uh, <coughs> declare the winner in the next couple of weeks. Yep, we'll do that probably on Facebook. We'll mention it on the show, obviously. Yeah, possible, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so this story takes place back in 1878. Okay, and like I said before, it happened in Nova Scotia, uh, which borders New Brunswick, because I think most people have heard of New Brunswick, uh, in a town called Amherst. Or Amherst. Yep. Okay, and it centers around a young girl by the name of Esther Cox, who was 19 at the time this all took place. And at the time, she was living in a two-story cottage at number six Princess Street with her older sister, Olive, and Olive's husband, Daniel Teed. Okay, they had two young children themselves. And on occasion, uh, other people would also be living at the house. There was Daniel's brother, John. Yep. um, And Esther's sister, Jenny, and her brother, William. So you can imagine this house is pretty crowded. Yeah, and on top of on top of all that, they took in lodgers as well. Right. Uh, you know, to pay for the rent. Yep. So <clears throat> Daniel himself, he was a shoemaker. Um and that's relevant because he knew this fella by the name of Bob McNeil, who was also a shoemaker. Okay, so he he was an acquaintance and he used to come to the house often. Like I say, it's a busy household. Yep. And one time he was there, he tried to uh rape Esther, 
Okay, like I say, she was 19 at the time. She managed to fend him off. She got she got out of it with just cuts and bruises, luckily for her. Um, <clears throat> so this really is where this started, if you like. We hear this a lot in Poltergeist cases where it's a, a young teenage girl. Hormones. Uh, yeah, and then about. extra stress and, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So this is where it really starts. So a few nights after this attempted rape, Jenny and Esther used to share a bed. Okay, right. share okay. a bedroom in this house. Like I say, the bedroom, I think the house had four bedrooms. Um, so obviously you can imagine there's a lot of sharing going on. And they shared a bedroom and they wake up screaming middle of the night. Everybody comes rushing in. Uh, what's what's wrong? And she, uh, Jenny says, there's something in the bed. Something in the bed with us. Esther and Jenny both out out the bed now. You know what I mean? Look, ripping the bed clothes off. And they thought it must be a mouse that had got into the, into the okay, bed sheets. Okay, yeah. Remember, this is 1878, possible. yeah? Possible. Yep, so <clears throat> I guess it wasn't unusual, you know what I mean? Because, a big mouse. Well, yeah. But they were pretty convinced that it wasn't a mouse at this point. But obviously, you know, what else could it be? So they go back to sleep. Night two. Okay. Again, screams in the middle of the night. Everybody goes rushing in. And there's a, a fabric box that they just keep scraps in, you know, for repairing um, clothing, that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was under the bed. Like okay, an ottoman, but, yeah, kind of. For, this was kept under the bed, but for the, when they rushed in, it was strewn all over the floor. Right, okay. Fabric everywhere. Yeah. So, obviously, Daniel says, what's going on? <clears throat> and they said, what happened is weird noises rustling under the bed. Um, pulled that box out, and it was, it was you know, jiggering, bouncing up and down. Obviously, they stepped back for it. With that, it flipped up in the air, flipped again. They screamed. And uh, that's when everybody came running in and seen the thing. So that's night two. Okay. With these poltergeist stories, it all, it ramps up rapidly. Right. And it could also stop rapidly in a lot of cases. But this is really ramping up at this point, okay. So everyone's left thinking that it's her imagination because obviously she's just been, you know, attempted rape and all the rest of it. There's a lot on her mind. Yeah. Um, so at this point, they're really thinking it's just the young girl's imagination. Until night three. Night three. Everybody's going about the business. Had the meal. Esther excuses herself. She says, I don't. I really don't feel well. I think I'm getting a fever. She says, so I'm going to go to bed yeah. early. Okay, so she goes up to bed. About 10, 10 p.m., Jenny goes up to bed. Obviously, like I say, Esther's already asleep at this point. Jenny goes in, gets, gets ready for bed, jumps in bed. No longer has she been in bed. Esther jumps up screaming. What's happening to me? What's happening to me? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm dying. You know, my God, my God, what's happening to me? Anyway, the turn, she, Jenny flicks the light on and she can see that Esther's skin has turned bright red, right? right? Swelling unnaturally. Yep. Right. Her eyes are bulging out. She's choking. She gets her back on the bed. She shouts everybody else to come in. Everybody runs in and they're just in disbelief what mm. they're looking at. She's honestly, she's hot to touch. She's right, crying out in pain, um, and they can and they actually said that they could see her skin visibly stretching. She's just Ooh. blowing up. Then came a loud clap of thunder. Okay, and obviously, if everybody at first thought it was outside, so a couple of people went to the window and had a look out, and there was no rain, no sign of you no know, lightning, thunder, that kind of thing. And then they had three more claps, and it was pretty evident that it was coming from, emanating from under the bed. Right. Okay. Okay. As soon as the fair clap had happened, Esther climbed down and the swelling basically just began to subside almost immediately right. after this third clap. 
so again, you got you got to be thinking, well, you know, it's pretty strange. Anyway, a few nights after that, things had quietened down, okay? Uh, but this, this reoccurring um, swelling did happen. For a while after that, it did it's happen. kind of minor. But things had quietened down for a little bit. And um, again, went to bed. Everything was normal. Screams in the night. Everybody goes running in the bed, bedroom. And the quilt, the duvet like, is across the other side of the bedroom. Girls are terrified, sat up in bed. <clears throat> and everybody said, what's going on? They said, well, it just got ripped off us. So the Daniel decides to put it back on the bed. Mm. Um, puts it back on the bed. No sooner he done that, it flips up. The pillow flips up, smashes him in the face right, quite hard. And uh, he leaves the room on that, at that point. Everybody else witnesses this. And the co- covers start pulling off again while everybody stood there. So everybody jumps on the bed to hold the covers down. Anyway, eventually... The girls fall asleep and everybody leaves the room and all's quiet. At this point, Daniel decides he's going to get the local doctor in. Right. Okay, because he's really worried about... And like I said, this this swelling kept reoccurring. Yep. Uh, so obviously, you know, there's cause for concern. So this is the local doctor, Dr. Carrie, uh, and he knows the family quite well. So he comes round uh, and they haven't told him any of this paranormal shenanigans. Okay, so... Right. At the moment, all he knows is that she just keeps swelling up and all the rest of it. He come, comes over to check her out. And the very first day he's there, he gets the same treatment as uh, the, the pillow flipping up and twatting him. Yep. Yeah. So he gets hit, hit with his pillow. Um, and he, he stumbles back and sits down in a chair because he's trying to collect himself. You know, what's just happened? Mm. Uh, remember, this guy's just a, just a doctor. elderly doctor, yeah? So he, he sits there and he said, no matter, seconds is for he's sitting down, he can hear this scratching. It sounded like metal on plaster, you know, where you, yeah. you, you know, scraping the plaster off. And he said, being written above the bed in foot high letters. And obviously she's laid in bed at this point. Over the bed, it says, um, Esther Cox, you aren't mine to kill. Mm. In big letters over the bed. Yeah. So... Again, you know, at this point, he's like, take, take him back. Sorts her out as best he can, goes. Nobody expects to see him again. Next day, he comes, you know. He's got a duty of care. So, for whatever reason, he says, I'm not going to back down to whatever this thing is. He comes. He, sort, he, he sorts the girl. He even gives her um, sedatives this time. Yep. So, she's totally out of it. She's laying on the bed recuperating. Next thing he knows, he's getting hailed, hailed potatoes at him. Bang, bang, bang. You know, these potatoes just flying out of nowhere. Just coming mm. out, you know, outports where yep. they call them. Just yep. bang, bang, bang out of nowhere. And then he hears the sound of thunder, the claps of thunder again, which we heard, which the other residents did as well. At one point, he's convinced, right, there must be a logical explanation to this. Okay. Because he's a doctor. Yep. And he's convinced that the, the, the sounds of thunder, which he's hearing, are coming from the roof. Anyway, it's late evening, so he goes outside. It's full moon. So he can clearly see the roof. And he goes outside, he's looking at the roof, and this is only a small cottage, it's a two-story little cottage. Yep. Uh, he goes outside, he's looking at the roof, and there's clearly no one on the roof. He goes back inside, and he says to the family, he says, I don't know how to, I don't know how to explain it, you know, there's nobody on the roof. And they said, when you was outside, the, thunder, the, thunder, the claps of thunder, we heard it from down here, carrying on, it sounded like someone beating the roof with a sledgehammer. Yeah. Uh, and when he was outside, he couldn't hear that. So again, you know, strange. Anyway. After that, he still continues to give Esther aid. 
So over the following days, these noises continued to the right. point where people could actually, passers-by in the street could actually hear the banging. That's how loud it was getting. Yep. And so people started to spread rumours at that point. Okay. Yeah, especially in them times, yeah, yeah. you back in the eighteen hundreds, late Rumors of era got out, and uh, you know, like I say, rumors were being spread around. So this this started where people just flocked to the house to see what was going on. You know, looking in the yeah. window, standing outside. Yeah. But it's around this time that Jenny gets the feeling that the ghost is always listening to him, and you find this in a lot of poltergeist cases where uh, the people think that the ghost's one step ahead of them. Mm. It knows what they're thinking. Like, you know that that sort yep. of thing yep. and she really gets the the impression that he knows what they're thinking he knows what they're saying he's, where, he's there all the time essentially and to that she gets three round, round raps on the wall so like an affirmative you know yes you're yes. right so at that point they start communicating three, three knocks for yes one knock for no asking general questions which you, know, which you ask a ghost don't you after a little bit of back and forth these knocks it stops at that point, the the family are all convinced that there's something going on here that a reverend needs to take a look at. Okay. Okay, so they call in the local reverend, which is guided by the, the Reverend Clay. And obviously he comes in, convinced that it's Esther making all these noises, even yeah. though she's sedated a lot of time mm-hmm. on the bed, because she's still poorly. He takes a look around, and again, like I say, he hears these thunder, you know, exactly the same reports yep. as what everyone else was going. Now, to his credit, he never blamed her directly, okay? He always thought that it wasn't a devil or anything like that. It was a case of, because electricity was pretty new, mm. okay? So what he put it down to is somehow Esther had got electric shock, you know, which has fried her nervous system, making her become a living battery, if you will, mm. okay? And she, didn't, she was able, or you know, maybe not consciously, but she was able to produce thunder and lightning, uh, I mean, remember, this is electric's only just come into play, yeah, so you yeah. can see so, his, yeah. you can see his thing. He's trying to make sense of it, yeah. uh, and he, he really thinks that she's a battery and she's yeah. causing this. Um, he's not far wrong, actually. If, if you know, go my fear of ghosts, but yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Well, but um, yeah, but it's the aura that's been attacked. Not yeah, so physical body, but yeah, come on. You can see where he's coming from, and again, he hears these noises and all the rest of it. So, and again, you know, like say crowds were coming, but he would always stick up for it, stick up for it, give lectures. Mm. Him and the doctor both give lectures, saying this is not Esther doing this. Mm. Um, you know, out, you know, trying to pull a fast one on people. Yeah. This is something that's happening. It is emanating from here, but it's not of her control. So give him his credit, you know. Now this gets around that the um, she's cursed by the devil. Mm. Okay, so this reverend decides to take her to church. To you know, give us some sort of cleansing, that kind oh of thing. Dear. Oh dear. Yeah. So apparently, so shit, it's a fan again. Yep. Yep. And again, I know that. Well, again, with all these cases, you know, this normally happens. To <laughs> yeah. But he walks her in the church, and within a few seconds, he's trying to whisk her in there and that. Obviously, the locals are all. It's a small village. Everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So they know who she is, and there are, there are accounts of people, you know, just standing there with the hymn books in their hand, and the hymn books just flying out their hand as she's walking down the. You know, yep. down the aisle, they're sat in the pews and the hymn books are just billowing all over you. Know, bam, bam, bam. And he has to get her out of there. Takes her back home. Uh, soon after that, she um, contracts diphtheria. Yeah. Okay, which is like, um, it's akin to like a, a severe cold, isn't it? As you get the. It's a lack of like vitamins and. Uh, stuff. Something like that. Something but like it's, it's but a... you get it, it's, it swells your lymph nodes yeah. Yeah. in your throat. It can actually cause paralysis. That much, that much swelling that you yeah, uh, yeah, choke to death. Anything. 
Um, so it's a serious condition back in them. They're yeah. still pretty serious now. But anyway, but she takes a bed rest to get over this. And she she starts to recover. And the family are getting a lot of heat. Like I say, these crowds keep coming. Ooh. Okay, so as soon as she's ready and able, they whisk her off to New Brunswick. And she has to go stay with her sister. And she's married and she's got this house in New Brunswick. So they take her out there. At that point, the haunting at the Tweed house, which is, you know, her sister's house which she was living at, the Tweed house there, stops. Mm. Nothing else going on. Yeah, well. So at that point, the family realised that it's not the house that's haunted. It's the girl. It's the girl. Yep. That makes sense to me. Which makes, you know, a lot of politicians, this makes sense. But until this point, no one had really realised that. So, all quietens down, and not much is going on in New Brunswick. Mm. Okay, so get the impression that it's all stopped. You know, yeah, she's 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 back on her feet. All the rest of it. So they ask her to return. So she returns to the house, and uh, yeah, all hell breaks oh, loose. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, the ghost gets a little bit more mischievous, gets a little bit more angry, gets a little bit more dominant, uh, and it even starts to speak. So this isn't raps anymore. This is audible. Yeah. Okay. Now, some of the things he said uh, he would do was things like he was going to burn the house down. Okay. And we'll come back to that later on because that that come, ties into the story yeah. later on. But that's one of the things he said. He said, I'm going to burn the house down. They asked him who he was and all the rest of it. And he said that he was uh, had once lived on Earth. He had died. And now was only a ghost. Okay. So they asked him... Who are you? Now, he gave a lot, and the spirits sometimes do this. They give more than one answer to this question. Mm. So they'll say, I'm Beelzebub, I'm Jesus, mm. I'm, you know, whatever. Mischievous will give yeah. any name to get his attention. But one of That's the names that he kept coming back to, he actually he came, gave the name of Peter, which is one of the brothers out there. But the name he gave, and this is how I say it, said, he said, you want to know my name? I said, yeah. My name will send shivers down the hardest of men. It's that scary to make a man piss himself on the spot. Do you want to know my name? My name is... Bob. 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 Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking dick. So that's his name, Bob. But then that makes me wonder if it's tying back to the Bob McNeil who um, attempted rape. And rape, rape yeah, I beginning. got that straight away. I wonder if she I was... Got, yeah, definitely, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, straight away. I don't think he was dead, but I wonder if it's, you know, taking on his... Kind of like magic. Yeah, that, you know, taking on his... Um, Psyche. Persona, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Okay, so we move on to the fires, and like I say, matches just used to light. I'm just be sitting there, and matches just light and fall on the ground, and Ooh. people have to put them out. There was one point where even a dress, which was on a nail on the wall... There was four or five people in the room that saw this dress. It was one of Esther's dresses. Mm. Just roll up into a ball, shoot under the bed, and next thing, smoke starts billowing out. So Daniel grabs the sheet, uh, dress from under the bed, pulls it out, and it's on fire. Mm. Puts it out. So this is getting serious now. Now, these fires kept happening all the time. There was even uh, occasions where this uh, Walter guy who comes into the story later on, but he's a local actor mm. and he was staying at the house and he reports, he actually wrote the book called the, the great, uh, uh, Amherst mystery. Yeah. Um, about his time living there and that, and what went on. So yeah. he reports this and he, he even says that on occasions matches, uh, this kind of thing would, would be seen falling from the sky. He'd, he'd go in his pocket and his, ma- his pack- box of matches are gone. 
So it was oh, his matches. So it's obviously so yeah. some of his tickets yeah. from him. Yeah. But anyway, he's not there at this point. But the, the fires were going on. Even stuff like um, it would cause a fire, light a fire or something, then bury it inside the the laundry basket. So the laundry basket stuff starts smouldering. And again, you know, luckily people were around to see it. Yeah. But this had happened when Esther was in another room. So you couldn't really pin it on her. No. You know. But saying that, because the rumours had got around and all the rest of it, one fire starts in the basement, obviously probably where they kept the the, the, the logs for winter, that kind of stuff. Said it was in a bucket of uh, cedar wood. Filings, like chippings or whatever. Well, that started in the basement. Starts a decent fire. She goes running into the street to call for help. Neighbours come, local fire brigade comes out, they put it out, yep. and they suspect arson straight away. Mm. Obviously, she's in the house, there's a few other people in the house, but she's there, they've heard the Tories, put it back on air. And again, you, you can't really blame them, can you? No. Um. So, people at this point are really getting worried, okay, and a lot of people wanted Esther dragged out into the street and flogged. Yeah. Um. You know, whip her, give her a good whipping, and she won't carry this on, mm. you know. Uh, that kind of thing, but obviously that never happened, thankfully. So the family uh, again are getting a lot of heat. Uh, so they, so Daniel decides that he sends her to this uh, Mr. White, but this is where it takes a bit of a twist because he sends her to live with Mr. White for a few weeks. And remember last time when she left the premises, yep. the haunting stopped. Yeah. But this doesn't happen this time. She leaves the premises, but the fires continue. Right. So because yeah. they're probably suspecting air. Okay. They're probably thinking, well, you know, maybe yep. she's just crying for attention, whatever, whatever. But at this point, the fires continue, so you can't really blame Esther at this point. Well, you can't blame Esther because she's not there. She's in a different county. Yeah. Anyway, this is about the time when this Walter Hubble, which I tell you is a local actor, here, you know, he's, he's aware of the story, and he comes, uh, he actually blags his way into the house, becomes a lodger, so he can have first-hand experience, yep. okay? All he's thinking about is dollar signs, you know, kind of mm. market this. Will people come to look at this? And he talks to the family about this, about marketing it, putting it on stage, and maybe... If it had all gone to planet, it would have been a seriously good show, okay? So they sort of agree, bring her back from Mr. White's, hooks up with Walter, and he takes Esther on stage. People pay tickets to come and have a look at... Like, you know, like one of these freak show type things. Well, yeah, yeah. it's profitable. Well, they come up, and um, apparently rapping was there, that kind of thing. Um, this should talk and it would answer uh, this kind of stuff but the problem with spirit as we all know they're not controllable no so this is not like it's going to happen every time you know mm. and a lot of times people came and nothing happened and they got really irate and wanted the money back yeah. which is understandable so he had to knock this on the head this one not going to work and this is probably why he wrote the book instead okay so like I say the show doesn't go down well everyone's living back in the tea house now Esther Walter family but things start to ramp up again to another level and this is where people start getting physically injured yep um usually the case and remember the the teeds daniel and olive have got two small children yeah okay so you can understand their point of view when essentially they get to a point where they just say you know fuck off (laughs) get out because they can't they can't risk it so things start getting attacked i mean walter himself he's attacked with his own umbrella he managed to duck because a knife came whizzing towards him if he said himself if you want a young man at the time, mm. he wouldn't have got out of the way of it. It's only because he was uh, agile. Yeah. He managed to duck and just, just escape this. It didn't, you know, he didn't get away with it essentially because he ducked under the uh, knife coming towards him and then got rammed by an armchair. Oh, right. So, 
but that's you know, I'm sure it's better than a knife, I suppose. Yeah. So at this point, the church uh, feel like they have to step in and do something. Because again, the rumours going around that the devil's in there. Yeah. Right? So they send for this uh, R.A. Temple, Reverend R.A. Temple. Okay, so he comes in and performs prayer. Yep. Um, you know, over in the bed. He attempts to do some sort of exorcism, uh, which don't go too well. Yeah. <laughs> he's anointing her. He's got like one of these little metal chalices with the holy water in. Yep. So he's he's dipping his sponge in, you know, bless you, my child, all that. Dipping her head with a sponge. And he says, next thing he knows, he can't hold the chalice anymore. It's just boiling in his hand. The water inside is boiling in his hand Ooh. just to drop it. So he's straight away, he's, he's come in there probably with, you know, certain beliefs or whatever. As soon as ego. this happens, he's got, he's got a certain ego. That, that as well, yeah. yeah, yeah. So at yeah, this yeah. point, he, he gets a bit riled. Yep. And he speaks to the ghost. So straight away, he's, he's convinced there's something going mm. on. And he speaks, he says, you know, show yourself, present yourself. Who are you? And all he gets back is loud trumpet playing from nowhere, you know, just in the, in a room, um, which has got to be pretty fucking weird, hasn't it? But he, anyway, he hears this, and everyone else hears it. Walter, they're all sat downstairs and they're all talking about it, the priest and that. And Walter just says, you know, everybody in this room has been attacked by this thing, whether it's verbally or physically, mm. apart from the cat, you know, <laughs> you know, making a joke of it, you know, in the circumstances. And he said, with that, the cat levitated up in the air, moved across the room, dropped down on <laughs> Esther's shoulders, uh, obviously terrified, mm. jumped off, went straight out of the house, and it stayed, for the rest of the day, the cat stayed out of the house. <laughs> so this, this ghost was... You know, showing a bit of, uh, having a bit of a joke, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> like I say, a lot of people in the village town knew about this. Uh, and then the landlord found out, okay, this is a guy by the name of Mr. Bliss. And he was the landlord of the Teed's house. He was getting a bit worried about the fires. Yep. It's his property. And he wasn't too happy about it, to put it bluntly. Mm. Okay. Well, yeah. So he said to the family, look, you've got two choices. Either get air out. Yeah, mm. or move out. Yeah. So, you know, working nearby and all the rest of it, you know, you couldn't understand it was their house, it was their yeah. family house first, and they they basically said, okay, Esther, pack your bags, get out. Yeah. Um, they didn't just kick her out, though. They sorted out somewhere for her to go to this uh, farmer, I think his name was Van Hamburg. Yeah, it was a friend of the family, another county out of the way. So she goes out there, um, and she's there... For quite a little, maybe a week or so, he's given her jobs to do chores around the farm. Yep. One of the things was to look after the barn. Uh, the spirit followed her. As usual. Yep. Which uh, it does. This time. And, uh, you know, after a couple of weeks of being there, the barn burnt down. Yeah. Now, obviously, he's not too pleased about this. He's not really going to blame it on a spirit, so he blames it on Esther, which is totally understandable. She's arrested and, and uh, trialled and given a sentence for arson. She gets four months. Right. Okay. Now, the, the, the locals heard about this and they felt sorry for her because if she was, if it was out of their control, if it was a spirit, um, it wasn't really her fault. Yeah. So they, they sort of banded together at this point and managed to get her sentence reduced to a month. Right. Okay. But the story, you know, has an happy ending, if you like, because a local lad decided he would visit her in jail, just just keep her morale up. And they ended up, um, you know, getting talking, together. getting together, yeah. and eventually, yeah, eventually becoming a husband and wife. Uh, and then they had a child. And I think she later moved on to a different guy and then a child with him. But <clears throat> that, that, that really, once she got with that fella, 
that stopped all this spirit. Mm. Whatever control it had over her, uh, as soon as she found love, if you like, it really just stopped overnight. So oh. that's the story of Esther Cox. Mm. Well, again, as, as you know, you know my stuff on it that you know when a <clears throat> when a, a negative uh, spirit you know tries to attach itself, it will attach itself to your aura, not your physical. It's different frequency, but it will try and it, everywhere you go, it will follow, and it will cause shit. Now, I don't really understand where she was at house one time, but the stuff was still happening. Back there, yeah, yeah. So unless he was going from one to another, but I do know that in some ca- some cases, I do know that once you know a negative spirit is attached to you, more negative spirit come in. Mm. You know, like attracts like, you know. So oh well, I've got this woman. Come on, lads, let's have a go. And then, and then they all come in. This so does... I've known some cases for that. So maybe some of the negative may have stayed at that house while uh, the other girl was at the house and that other spirit was with her. So I mean, it does seem to just be the one, but. Yeah, that's the bit that got me, but I really think it was trying to prove a point. Because if you remember the first time she left, it left with her. Yeah. And everybody sort of said, maybe it doesn't exist, maybe mm. it's just there, you know. So this, this, I think that maybe riled it up in some way. And so it decided, because obviously that's when he starts burning the house and everything. Got some, yeah. So I think he, it maybe thought, no, fuck you, you know what I mean? I'm going to prove to you that I exist and. You know, well, again, to exist, it must draw energy. Hmm. It's got to draw energy to exist in in this realm, this frequency. So, you know, like fear, you know, to frighten people, get people anxious, because that's dark energy and they feed off that. What do you think so, this thing that it said, though, about had once lived on the earth, had died, and now was only a ghost? Again. You think that's trying to throw him off the scent? Yeah, I think so. I think so. They'll, they'll, you know, they'll tell anything to get... A reaction, I suppose. Um, I've known a, a case many years ago. Um, I didn't actually go to the house. Well, it won't. It, it, I'm not saying the names because it's, it's kind of private. But I'm trying to put a point here, where I went to his house once, and we were supposed to go in, and uh, there was negative in his house. But they kind of influenced the girl, the the tenant there at that time, um, not to open the door. And she didn't open the door. You know, she would not open that door because there was an influence there not to open the door. You know, they, that's it. Um, but I knew that there was five, six negative in the attic. Yeah. There, you know, and I do know from um, that same case that when she, every time she moved from a different place to place, it followed her. Yeah. It didn't matter what she, I know she went to hospital once, bless her, and it followed her. See, people, it, 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 they, that's, that's how they connect to the aura. They, it's like a limpet on the rock. And they hang on for fucking dear life, these things. And they're hard to get rid of. Very hard. You know, and it's it's um, not nice. Uh, but again, it's... But they'll say anything, do anything to get that mm. reaction, to get fear, so they can feed... It's like a vampire. Well, suck your energy. A couple of the things that... Um, you know, because there's obviously reading through this, you think maybe... Because you have to think, like, from sceptical point, you have oh, to think yeah, maybe, maybe it was there, maybe... But there was a, there was a couple of occasions where... She was in the house, and there was a few people there. There was a little boy who had a pen, pen knife, mm. like a clasp knife type thing, and um, he was just there, uh, like maybe doing, maybe just cutting a bit of wood or whatever. Mm. Next thing, the pen knife shoots out his hand and sticks in Esther's back, mm. and she pulls the knife. Walter himself said on many occasion, 
You'd just be sat there watching telly. <laughs> not watching telly, it was 1877. Yeah, playing, yeah. playing Monopoly or playing, some shit. Well, yeah. Monopoly, yeah. Snakes and lads, whatever. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, on, he said on numerous occasions, she'd just cry out in pain. Wow! You know, and, and then he'd say, what? And there'd be a needle sticking out of her. Just, mm. And you'd see just neat pins just shooting across the room and sticking in her. Rape could have been actually the, 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 the beginning. Yeah, that was the... That there could have been this guy was really evil, horrible. That was the so opening, he left his imprint yeah. on yeah. her. So he obviously he went through it. Maybe he didn't finish what he's going to do, and in frustration or whatever, and he may have left an imprint on negative of him, mm. of him. Because he said, he said Bob. Yeah. Again, like I say, a, it did, it an did, evil part it of did him. give a few names. It gave a name of uh, Elisa, uh, Peter, Bob. But Bob was like saying, yeah. Bob was the one that stuck out to me because of the the right. Yeah, because of that, I thought maybe it ties back to that. This um, guy, this guy could be into black magic, anything, you know. You know, it'd be interesting to find out what happened to him. So, because you know, he obviously should have got some sort of penance for what he done. Possible, but then again, it's uh, yeah, he would have, yeah, definitely then. But again, he, he could have, he could have been a into black magic and everything. You know, you don't know. You could have a board. He, he would have maybe, you know, possible. But obviously, something broke the spell because then she was after. Yeah, well, she, love you know, seemed to be the answer. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah. Obviously, that it's kind of it, kind, kind of cliche, it, isn't it? it but, yeah. Well, I know, isn't it? But there's different kinds of love. You know, yeah. there's love and lust. Love is, is a different energy. So obviously, that kind of snapped the spell. Absolutely. So, but that's the story of Esther Cox. So, mm. hope you enjoyed that. Do tune in next week when we'll tell you another terrific tale. Yes, of the paranormal. Uh, please subscribe. Please review all the usual shit. Uh, follow us on Facebook. Yep. Email us your stories. Again, we're still looking for cryptid stories. So if anybody out there's got uh, a cryptid tale, please come on the show. Yeah. You know? Just email us and let us know. You don't have to come on and tell it yourself. You know, we can even. You know, obviously, we pre-record it anyway. But you can just send it in writing. Yep. Um, but yeah, no. Please uh, let us know what you think of the show. It's easiest easiest place yeah. to do that is on Facebook. Obviously. Please reviews that they're so 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 important. We can't keep you know. Mm. emphasising this can we reviews are yeah. so important to us it's, and then um, and just thank before you so I, much for sending you reviews just before I forget I'm just mean to mention that I was on uh, Jim Harold's Campfire I'm uh, sure most people know what that is but it is another podcast Jim Harold's Campfire where he tells uh, gets people on to tell their ghost yep. stories I was on there and I think it was a couple of episodes back now I'll keep meaning to mention it again but it was the uh, I think it said the True True Shining I think the episode was called The True Shining Tale or something like that Uh so yeah, so if you want to check that out, I am on there telling my theory story. Ooh. So no, not that one. So um, thank you very much for joining us today, and we will see you next week. Take care. Bye for now. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights, other stars for us to watch. They'll be back. Thank you.